Hello amazing folks welcome to another interesting episode of the podcast Trivia Talks In today's episode we have with us a very interesting and amazing personality Mr Pradyut Hande Pradyut is a B2B SaaS marketer mobile growth consultant guest speaker podcaster and an author Pradyut currently leads product marketing at Netco Solution which is a leading marketing technology company In his current role he helps high growth B2C brands across the USA, Southeast Asia, Africa and India deliver personalized customer experience at scale powered by the three important A's which are analytics, automation and AI. Pradyut was featured in the list of 100 most innovative marketing leader 2019 by World Marketing Congress. His guest article have been featured in leading industry publications such as Hacker Noon, Growth Hackers, Your Story, Economic Times, MarTech Cube and MarTech White. He's also spoken at various industry events like the Global MarTech Summit 2019 in Dubai, Digital Marketing Leader Summit 2019 in Singapore and TechSparks 2019 in Bangalore. When he's not brainstorming over the next major martech idea he spend his time traveling extensively he is also an influencer on youtube and instagram he also love to engage with interesting personalities and he also love to do conversation with them in today's episode pradyut will be highlighting on three major topic which are mba marketing and podcast pradyut will also burst some myths about these three topics So without any further ado let's dive into this amazing conversation with Pradyut Hande. Let's go. Well hello Pradyut welcome to Trivia Talks. We are honored to have you on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks Tarun thanks for having me. Looking forward to the entire episode. Yeah let's get it. So now talking about our common and the opening question for all the guests which is how was your lockdown period and the idea behind asking this question is to get those productive activities which you were doing and which might help other listeners so yeah share about it of course uh interesting question i've been asked a lot about this and i think i can begin by saying that uh, there's been a lot of work from home and work for home to start off with and uh, you know from a productivity point of view uh, i've definitely learned how to chart out my day better and stick to a proper timeline because there are not just work related deliverables alone that you need to uh, you know sort of work on but there are a lot of home related chores that you need to contribute to as well so i've definitely learned how to manage my time better be more structured and organized in terms of uh, setting my timelines and allocating my bandwidths uh also picked up a couple of uh, new skills uh, gotten back to reading a lot more um made a lot of uh, in fact i got back to making music all over again uh, created a lot of content over social media over the weekends etc so generally i would say i've learned how to use my time a lot more productively and uh, of course when you are confined pretty much 24/7 within the same house uh within the same four walls you tend to find ways of using your time more judiciously so yeah it's been an interesting last 7 and a half 8 months there have been days when i felt that time isn't moving at all and then there are days where 
the entire week just flies by so time has been relative in that sense but um, you know we need to also count our blessings and be grateful for all this time that we've gotten to spend with our families as well so yeah that's how i would look at it oh wow that's amazing so you mentioned about this song and i have also heard it like which is nakab utaro right yes uh, that's you right. recently launched in the lockdown field so yes, yeah, tell us right. about it like what is the story behind you know writing this song and also you know publishing it of course so uh, during the peak of the covid-19 lockdown i realized in a lot of my conversations with my friends with my family i realized that a lot of us were getting frustrated with the situation that we found ourselves in um there were insecurities vulnerabilities stresses pressures multiple aspects to um uh, you know our daily lives that was beginning to take a physical and mental toll on our lives and our health in general and uh, you know this constant fear of trying to be over cautious um not wanting to get exposed to potential infection so all of that played a critical role in actually putting a lot of emotional and mental pressure on ourselves and i experienced that firsthand and i thought that one way to you know draw a lot more attention to this issue and also get people to start talking about what was bothering them and not just keep all those emotions and feelings bottled up inside uh would be to do it through the medium of music so i came up with this uh, rap song on trying to normalize conversations around mental health called nakab utaro obviously we need to keep our physical masks on but the song was more around how you know i would want more people out there to remove their uh, figurative masks and you know have those uncomfortable conversations from time to time reach out to those who they trust uh, not just keep everything bottled up inside have those conversations seek help whenever required and uh, just sort of take care of themselves both physically and mentally so that's the place that i came from and uh, fortunately it was a positive message a lot of people uh, reached out to me saying that this is what was the need of the hour i got a lot of traction over youtube and social media a lot of Uh, psychiatrists and psychologists actually started using it with some of their clientele and patients as well so that's what it was a message that was well received by the audience but uh, you know i didn't expect it to get that much traction but i'm just glad that people could relate to it and uh, you know they were able to remove their nakabs and actually start doing something about their uh, mental wellbeing that's amazing and uh, you are also having this project which is the your voice project so was this song part of that project uh no it wasn't part of the project that was actually a startup project that i uh, launched with a colleague of mine during my mba in 2013 and 15 uh so that was more along the lines of you know trying to bring uh on ground stories to the fore uh, not just relying on paid media to tell us exactly what's happening with the world but you know getting um you know real stories out there from opinion leaders who are being affected by these issues so that was the idea behind the your voice project this is an unconnected uh, you know uh, rap song or a music project so to speak but the thought process is the same as you can see it's about ushering some sort of change in society making a positive difference and adding value to listeners and audiences across geographies so 
uh, yeah, that's where uh, the thought process stems from. Amazing. That's nice. Uh, and talking about your MBA for sure, like firstly, sure. I would like to understand something about MBA. So you have completed your MBA from SAB in Pune and you are from the batch 2015, right? So before joining this institute, what was your idea behind doing MBA? Okay, so the one clarification, I'm actually from SIMS Pune. So okay. I finished my MBA in 2015. So 2013 to 15 was when I was there. And um, so when I first decided to do my MBA, it was obviously in 2012. And one must remember that, uh, you know, the global economy was getting back to some sense of normalcy after the recession of 20, 2008, 2009. So things had not yet normalized and uh, the national and global economy were still making their way back to recovery. So 2013, I thought would be a good year to do my MBA as I needed to upskill. And um, I also had one year of work experience before that. So I wouldn't join as a rank fresher, which would you know, give me a little bit of a head start and an edge over freshers who would be joining that particular course because I would have experienced some reality um, from the market, from the industry, from the customer aspect, all of that. So uh, that was one reason why I chose to do my MBA at that stage. Uh, I also realized that, um, you know, I needed to go out of my comfort zone. It would have been the easiest thing for me to I, and at that time, I was staying with my parents, of course, which was in 2012. So it would have been the easiest thing for me to stay at home, um, you know, enjoy a comfortable existence, working outside, uh, being surrounded by family. But I also wanted to expose myself to a different experience altogether, which meant that, you know, going to another city, living in a hostel, interacting with a lot of other folks in a different physical environment, um, you know, opening up opportunities for uh, life projects and internships, uh, both remote and physical. Also having the opportunity to go, go to Germany uh, to study for uh, half a semester. So, you know, exploring different avenues and opportunities for growth, but also keeping in mind your future plan and progression for your career. So those would be the two, three reasons why I decided to do my MBA in 2013. Okay. That's nice. And uh, like SIBM and SIMS, like the part of the same, like same building uh, yeah. that is management and this is business, right? Uh, so honestly, uh, all these institutions come under the same university, which is Symbiosis International University. So yeah. you have SIMS, you have SIBM, you have SCMHRD, you have SITM. So each of these institutions obviously has a flagship master's program. So an SIMS would have an MBA an SIBM would have an MBA in marketing or finance, and SCMHRD would have an MBA probably uh, more tailor-made for HR, etc. So different institutions with a slightly different core competency in terms of the uh, their uh, flagship course. But apart from that, uh, pretty much a similar sort of management or business management education that would be imparted across. Okay. So the yeah. reason why we are talking about MBA is because we are sure. also in the tough situation, right? And right. because of COVID, because of this pandemic, uh, most of them, like most of the listeners are not sure whether their mm -hmm. MBA is worth it or those who are planning to do MBA should go for it or not. So right. according to you, like looking at the current scenario, is it worth 
to do MBA right now, or there are various other platforms which they can, you know, use and uh, like enhance their skills. So, I understand the you know the dichotomy in terms of argument here, but I feel doing an MBA right now is probably the best possible option for a lot of folks uh, because. trust me right now obviously the market is not in a great position uh, the jobs on hand may not be the most attractive or lucrative or may not fall under the purview of what you are looking for but two years later everything is going to open up majorly we are already seeing green shoots of growth in a lot of b2c sectors like e-commerce fintech edutech gaming bfsi we are already seeing you know a lot of consumer demand that is fueling growth in these industries and there's no reason why the economy and the demand situation will not normalize or in fact even get better over the next two years so i would say that these two years or these three years is, are actually a great time to do your mba uh and uh, you know while you're doing your mba don't just rely on the academic aspect of all of it because there are a lot of startups out there that are offering life projects and uh, virtual internships and these are opportunities that are going to give you a hands on experience of learning on the job and the kind of exposure it gives you at this particular stage will only hold you in good stead when you actually hit the market for a proper job so learning opportunities are immense in terms of what the industry can offer you remotely also the growth of these edtech platforms that are offering multiple learning opportunities across functions you you need to ensure that you are leveraging it to the maximum possible um you know scale and uh, you also need to keep in mind that whatever courses or diplomas or certifications that you guys are doing are aligned in some way to your long term career plan because the temptation to undertake a lot of these projects or a lot of these certifications parallelly is high but it has to make some sense because when the future recruiters looking at your resume they should not be confused as to why you have done a few of these certifications if you're looking at a finance related role and you end up doing a lot of digital marketing courses you need to figure out that you have the story in place to tie all of this back together when someone as a potential employer is looking at your resume in the future so lot of opportunities but you got to pick and choose and do what makes sense and uh, you know to come back to your basic question it's i think a very viable time to be doing your mba at this stage that's true and you know uh, like most of them are thinking ki matlab bahut din aise bolte hain and common myth hai ki mba kar lo life settle ho jayegi right right and and like there are like lot of other you know myths about mba so would sure. you like to highlight some common myths like which normally most aspirant have before joining the b school sure absolutely so uh, you know as you rightly touched upon that common phrase mba kar lo life set ho jayegi and this is applicable i'm guessing to a lot of engineers humanities students arts students commerce students anybody right but uh, i think what's important is to note that uh, number one an mba will not get you your dream job you know that is a myth that a lot of folks have an mba will get you your dream job but starting off your mba journey is only part one or phase one of your plan and 
once you make it to a b school of your choice or something that's close to your choice the ball is in your court as to what you do just having the stamp of graduating from a particular b school is not going to get you your dream job there is so much more that you need to be doing during those two years and i'm going to come to that uh, i think a second myth a lot of folks have is an mba from a tier 2 or tier 3 b school will not help you as much you know of course brand names matter coming from a tier 1 b school will obviously matter but believe me just having the backing of that brand name is not going to be enough in the market because sure you'll walk out with a higher package if you're from a tier 1 b school but 3 to 4 years down the line when you're in a market situation when you're in the corporate world you'll see for yourself that uh, the situation normalizes someone from a tier 2 b school will actually end up or may actually end up doing far better than someone from a tier 1 b school so brand name will get you only that far but even if you're from a tier 2 or tier 3 b school you will eventually if you work hard enough if you work smart enough you will eventually crack it somewhere down the line so it's important not to get disheartened even if you're not from a tier 1 b school um third i think i would say is that just your academics will be enough that's another myth that one needs to bust um you know it sounds cliched but your co-curricular activities involvement in cells and placement committees alumni cell committees whatever you might have um at a collegiate level your b school competitions quizzes whatever extracurricular activities that you have an aptitude for and you think you can go out there and actually win some of these competitions or create an impact through uh life project etc so pick and choose wisely but pick those opportunities that you think you can maximize because at the end of the day uh, when i say extracurricular act- curricular activities it doesn't just come down to you participating you know it's um, you need to have that elite mentality where, where you are participating to improve learn and win just participating alone and saying that hey i have this certificate of participation from this b plan competition that i took part in this b school sure it's a great start but you need to figure out how you can start winning these competitions also so and all of that has to go hand in hand with you acing your academics of course your cgpa will have a large bearing on um you know your uh, perception in the minds of recruiters and employers in the future but complement that with a lot of extracurricular activities that makes sense and that you can do justice to um also i would say um you know there's this myth in the b school community and in the young professional community where uh, they believe that i will allow my work to speak for itself that's a great thought to have but it's also important to speak for your work so what i'm actually getting at is that start building that personal brand from a really nascent stage and i would say your first year of mba itself you know you create a great linkedin profile start networking with your alumni start networking with industry folks find a you know if you can find a mentor then nothing like it uh, start building that personal brand to showcase not just your achievements but also start sharing thoughts and opinions that are well researched um around subjects that are relevant to your 
future function. It could be marketing, it could be HR, it could be finance, operations, what have you, right? So focus on creating visibility across uh, digital channels at a very nascent stage so that when you're in a position to interview for a job, you should be in a position in such a case where recruiters have probably already heard about you or have come across some of your posts on LinkedIn or you have touched base with them sometime in the past. So start building that personal brand from day one of your MBA, right? So that's what I would say. Um, some of those myths that definitely needed busting. Exactly. And you know, uh, what we are planning during our MBA and what we are doing after MBA, like, mm. are they go side by side or, you know, we see a lot of, uh, you can say, a lot of divergence in that also? Uh, so it depends, actually. But I, in an ideal situation, everything should move hand in hand. Uh, I would say during your MBA, try and expose yourself to a lot of activities that will help you learn and grow. And out of, say, about 10 activities or 10 things that you pick up, you will yourself realize that you have an aptitude for maybe five of them. Out of those five, you may be good at three of them. And out of those three, you may be exceptional at one or two of them. So that process of elimination will help you identify exactly what you want to be complementing your core skill set with. Um, you know, I can say, you know, I have a lot of uh, colleagues and industry friends who have probably done their MBA in uh, HR and then, uh, you know, sort of uh, worked in the industry for a couple of years and then switched over to marketing for some reason or because they had a better aptitude. So these things will happen because one must realize that most careers are very non-linear. You know, it's never a straight line curve or a straight line path towards where you want to be. Uh, there will be a process of elimination involved. Uh, there could be certain, um, you know, career decisions that you take that might take you further away from your dream. If you want to be a, you know, brand manager, you might have to start in a sales role for a couple of years and then work your way up the ladder. And then it might take you five years to get to that dream profile of yours. So, uh, as I said, it's not a non-linear uh, growth curve and uh, it can actually vary. You know, what you end up studying and doing in college versus where your actual career ends up, it can definitely vary. Uh, but yeah, there are obviously cases where people come in with a fixed plan from day one. They know exactly, consultancy and they make those core decisions along the way. These are the competitions that I'll take part in. These are the brands that I'll engage with. And then that's the kind of profile I want to target. So you'll have it, you'll have th those kind of MBA students as well. So it'll be a mixed bunch. True that because, you know, technology is, you know, booming. And with each passing year, we are seeing like in the last few years, digital marketing was a trendy thing. Right now, True. it's totally common. And the coming True. time, we will see blockchain is going to, you know, evolve in the market and something like that. True. So now talking about your current position, which is, you know, seri uh, senior growth marketer and product mm -hmm. uh, evangelist. So when, mm -hmm. like you are, a like when you are explaining to someone, okay. Right. Right. So how do you explain your job role to those who aren't from the, from this particular industry? <laughs> That's an interesting question. And I can yeah. actually extend that to people who are from my industry also. Sure. So 
I think simply put, um, the way I would define it is I actually help my company market and sell software that is used by B2C brands to better understand digital customers like you and me. You know, so if a B2C brand has a website or a mobile app, I am helping those brands understand what digital users or customers like you and me actually do on those digital platforms. And I help such brands figure out how to make their customers feel special and how they can increase revenues by actually making and delivering these memorable customer experiences. So in short, I would say I'm actually helping a lot of these brands treat customers like you and me as specially as possible through personalized experiences and figuring out what is the best way to engage with them across channels and how they can make more money out of you know the end users so that's how i would put it in a nutshell okay that's amazing so that's a very interesting job and uh, like in the this is a part of marketing only and if yeah. i talk about uh, marketing Mm-hmm. Uh, we have seen the evolution of marketing a lot in the last few years. As I was talking about digital marketing right. and also, you know, cryptocurrency and due to pandemic, uh, all the, mm-hmm. all this entire digital marketing will evolve a lot. Sure. Every business is going online. Correct. Right. Like talking about, you know, uh, during mm-hmm. the heights of pandemic like this, what are some of the new age marketing trends which you are seeing right mm-hmm. now? Okay, that's an interesting question. So the trends that I'm going to highlight right now, they've been around for about a year and a half, two years. Uh, But the adoption has been expedited because of what's happened this year, because of the COVID-19 pandemic, right? And some of these would include, uh, number one, the use and the application of something that we call personalization at scale in digital marketing, which means that brands are now understanding or realizing the importance of using customer related data to serve up you know unique memorable differentiated experiences to individual customers because as customers each one of us has different needs wants expectations and our behavior across digital channels whether it's through websites whether it's on mobile apps or our interactions with brands across social media Everything is different. And for a brand, they've now realized that we need to treat each of these unique customers individually. So that's something that we call personalization at scale, which means that um, if you're an e-commerce brand, you are serving up the most relevant product recommendations on your websites and mobile apps. If you're an OTT player like uh, of the likes of a Netflix or a Spotify, you're serving up content recommendations or songs or playlists that are most relevant to a unique user. Um, You know, if you are a news website, you're serving up only the most relevant articles, uh, you know, unique to a particular user. And that's something that a lot of brands are now doing, especially for their digital customers, you know, retargeting them with ads that are most relevant to them. So, serving up experiences that are unique and relevant to individual users. So that's something that's happening a lot now, especially because uh, a lot of marketing budgets have now been shifted to digital channels. So the onus on conversion is also much higher. Uh, There's an increased adoption of augmented reality and virtual reality as well. So if you think of a lot of these 
consumer tech brands like a Lenskart or an Asian Paints or a Sephora or a L'Oreal, they are using these technologies to actually uh, bring their consumers or users closer to a physical retail experience, right? So a Asian Paints will show them exactly what their wall will look like if painted with a certain shade of a color. Uh, a lens cut will show you exactly what your face is actually going to look like if you try on a particular pair of uh, or a frame of glasses. So um, rising adoption of augmented reality and virtual reality to bring customers closer to that physical experience uh, and also provide them an immersive shopping experience as well. Um, you know, we'll also see a rising adoption of WhatsApp as an engagement channel. You know, as an engagement channel, brands have the opportunity to use email, SMS, app push notifications, in-app messages, etc. Uh, but uh, WhatsApp has now emerged, particularly during the pandemic, as a major channel of engagement. So you'll see a lot of travel companies that would send you your e-ticket directly the moment you book your ticket or um, telecom companies are now offering you the chance to raise customer queries or inquire about your bill details directly over WhatsApp. Uh, you have uh, food tech companies that will share your, uh, your order tracking details over WhatsApp directly. So the number of use cases that WhatsApp is now able to solve because it's a channel of preference uh, for a lot of users is immense and a lot of brands are now waking up to this reality and realizing that instead of pushing communication across other channels, they can actually reach their customers on a channel of their preference, which is WhatsApp, because most of us spend almost, um, you know, uh, 40 to 45 percent of our time on a smartphone on a daily basis over WhatsApp itself. And um, I would say lastly, the increased use of artificial intelligence and machine learning in marketing, because, um, you know, we've reached a stage in digital and mobile marketing where brands now need to make maximum possible use of the customer data that they're collecting. And this is the foundation for any AI or machine learning algorithm. So with the help of AI in the mix, marketers can actually now predict a lot of things related to their customers, such as, you know, the customers that are most likely to uninstall the app or customers who are most likely to make a purchase over the next one week or next one month. Um, you know, customers who are most likely to interact with their email communication. So this predictive modeling that AI brings into the picture actually enables marketers to target, engage, and convert their customers far more. And the application of AI and machine learning will only increase moving forward. So that's another new age marketing trend that I see shaping up in the years ahead. Do you think like traditional marketing is survive uh, post this pandemic? Like looking at the current scenario, as you, were, you rightly said about, right. you know, WhatsApp and uh, everyone moving online and something like that. Mm -hmm. So like, do you think traditional marketing or retail marketing will survive? I think it will definitely because, uh, you know, its importance might be degraded or downgraded at this stage, but traditional marketing will continue to survive, whether it's through overhead billboards, um, whether it's through physical channels, television commercials, it will definitely survive because, you know, an interesting stat is that it was only in 2019 
that uh, spends on overhead billboards actually went up over the last 10 years so honestly speaking uh, while budgets will be diverted more towards digital channels traditional will continue to exist and will have to continue to be a part of the marketing mix for a lot of brands especially the ones with budgets right uh, just think about how much consumption has increased over tv alone over the last 7 months because a lot of us have been confined to our homes while of course there's competition from ott players but a lot of us are still consuming a fair amount of content and spending time uh, on our television sets which means that uh, the entire tv commercial space advertisement space has once again witnessed a bit of a boom so uh, you know offshoots and developments like this will continue to ensure that traditional marketing remains relevant uh, while in the short run probably in the next one year or so we might not see those many spends uh, across traditional marketing but it will continue to remain a part of the marketing mix for any uh, at least mass um, you know consumer brand right so now talking about a very interesting industry and which is booming a lot nowadays and sure. which is this industry which is the podcast industry of course so you know uh, firstly i would like to ask you regarding this like what do you think like what is the current scenario of podcast in india specifically right. because we know what what is happening in the western countries and how they are adapting it but right. uh, how do you see podcast in the coming future and like uh, will it be the next you know uh, you can sit next social media platform like youtube and other stuff like every like people are commenting and chatting over this platform and are also you know listening to a lot of audio stuff i can already hear the excitement in your voice asking about this question uh, but uh, yes absolutely i think um, you know i've been closely associated with the evolution of the uh, podcasting industry in india for a couple of years now and i've seen first time uh, how much demand has increased a how much uh, content that is available for consumption has increased b and c would be the quality of the content coming in and also how users are becoming more receptive towards consuming content through this particular channel so the growth prospects are especially high um and you can see for a fact that uh, a lot of you know brands are using podcasts you know brands across both b2c and b2b are using podcasts as a channel of thought leadership as a channel of user engagement um you know as a channel of brand awareness so um you know i think this industry will only grow from strength to strength there are still a few stumbling blocks uh, in its growth such as you know um awareness about this particular a uh, content asset or channel so to speak because uh, that could be a stumbling block in terms of increased consumption but overall i feel that uh, we are on a very healthy stage right now the growth curve is majorly expedited and uh, you know with more and more u- users coming on board and consuming content over podcasts the sky is really the limit that's true and you know spotify and other platforms are doing a lot of other stuff like they are also having this uh like i'm not sure like there are certain webinars by a uh, famous podcaster and they are trying to you know educate or trying to create awareness about the podcast to the people so oh, they are doing a lot of thing and these platforms are shaping this industry in a very you know different manner so 100% let's, 
right? 100% agree with you. I mean, just think about it, right? Uh, it was, I think, in uh, June, July when uh, Spotify bought bought uh, Joe Rogan's podcast, right? That was a huge, yeah. uh, you know, tipping point in the growth of the entire podcast industry because when a music giant like Spotify is spending millions of dollars to acquire a renowned personalities podcast it sends a strong message to the entire industry not just to those hosting platforms and content creation platforms but also to brands and content creators in general you know it's telling them that uh, they are looking at podcasts as something that might complement their music business or even replace some aspects of the music business itself so you know that those are strong signals that let you know that uh, you know this entire space is going to continue to boom true that so you are also a podcaster and i would like to talk about that also so sure. you are the pod, like you have this podcast smart tenno beat podcast so right. what was your idea behind starting this podcast and like would you like to share some insight about it sure of course so i think it was in uh the beginning of march just when the corona virus had globally started spreading at that time when i had the idea to start something along these lines for my company and uh, so we operate in the marketing plus technology or martech space which means that we help marketers use digital mobile marketing ai and other emerging technologies to engage and convert their customers better so the idea was uh, you know to use it as a thought leadership platform uh, to target marketing managers and product managers across geographies to share insights from brands who are actually doing a great job in this space you know who are using technology to improve their marketing efforts so i wanted guest speakers who could come on board and share their insights and allow a lot of those listeners to implement these actionable insights and benefit from this knowledge that was being shared and uh, yeah that was the thought process with which we first started this off in march and since then we've done about uh, 47 episodes we've got over uh, 7k playbacks and we have an audience across uh, 20 countries now so the idea is that if you deliver promised value consistently to your audience you will definitely build loyalty and uh, you will definitely continue to put that cycle in motion where you can churn out quality content week in week out so deliver exactly what you promise and the results will follow suit and be as consistent as possible exactly that sound amazing actually you know i'm also adding the link in the description so like awesome just can check out the, that, that podcast also like now i will talk about from two perspective what one sure. is from the listeners perspective and one is from the you know creators perspective so sure. uh, this thing is like as a creator like first mm-hmm. i'm focusing on that as a creator what mm-hmm. are certain thing which you have to look into before creating a podcast right okay from okay. the entire stuff like so so that it can guide those who are planning to launch the podcast but are not sure like how should they proceed ahead of course so interestingly enough i uh, i made a video on this uh, particular topic and i'll be sure to share it with you guys and you can also yeah. probably include the link in the uh, description so i think uh, it begins by understanding what you want to create your podcast around which means you need to be clear about your theme and topic 
uh, does it, do you want your podcast to be along professional lines as in related to your career or do you want to make it something along your passion or your hobbies or your side hustle or side gigs it could be music it could be craft it could be cooking baking anything right so number one is complete clarity on what topic and theme you want your podcast to be around number two would be do once you're clear with this do as much research as possible on other podcasts that already exist because that will give you an idea of how they are structuring their content uh, how often they are releasing episodes uh, what are the sub themes that they are tackling etc so keep an eye on the competition because not only will it give you ideas on what you should be doing but it will also highlight gaps that you can leverage in your content moving forward uh third of course once you have a clearer idea on points 1 and 2 you need to ensure that you have a solid name uh, a, um and you include the right uh, keywords in your both your name and your description because at the end of the day it's a lot about discoverability so just imagine someone who comes on to a spotify or an apple podcast who's searching for um you know quick baking recipes that becomes a quick uh, or rather a keyword that you might want to include in your uh, description as well so depending upon your theme draw up a list of relevant keywords and make sure that you are including them in your description this obviously can be optimized on a weekly or a monthly basis depending upon how much traffic you're generating but make sure that your description is short it is relevant it communicates exactly what your podcast stands for and it includes these right keywords along with this also make sure that you have come up with a nice logo or an icon that does justice to what your uh, podcast is all about because visual cues are also important because a lot of folks are not going to read through your description or even your uh, podcast title but your image should communicate in short exactly what your podcast is all about and uh, i think finally you need to be clear on the platform on which you want to host your uh, podcast and uh, i would recommend either anchor.fm or buzzsprout in this case so i mean these are platforms on which you can record your podcast edit them host them and get started for practically free and uh, yeah once you're clear on the platform that you're using there are just minor uh, infrastructural requirements that you might need such as like a mic or a lapel mic or uh, you know a solid uh, laptop speaker whatever you might have but basic infrastructural requirements so i think that in a nutshell captures what you require and what you need to keep in mind before you are actually starting your own podcast exactly it it is as difficult as recording the video so like the, the hustle is completely same and the outcome is also very nice because it helps a lot of listeners uh, who would like to you know explore about this particular platform so now talking about from the listeners perspective so sure. would you like to share some benefit of podcast for the listeners of course yeah so um i think number one if you are planning to become a podcast content creator your main thought of doing that will stem from you being a consumer or a listener yourself because you'd realize that there are these four five key 
benefits that it brings to the table uh, number one obviously it's free of cost right i mean you're not paying to consume um podcast content as such over any of these platforms and uh, you know it's not like downloading a book on kindle or purchasing a book physically or you know so it's a, it's a free source of information education or entertainment uh number 2 the on the fly consumption nature of podcasts makes it supremely attractive uh, to a lot of listeners because uh, you don't have to be sitting in one place to be consuming it um you could be multitasking you could be doing various other things while you're listening to it so that becomes very appealing um also the objectives that a podcast might achieve are very diverse and makes it very effective for a lot of listeners because you know there are themes where you get to learn something there are themes where you are informed through the channel of entertainment um and the entire format is tailor made to be as memorable as possible because um you know books will help you read and learn but this is an audio storytelling format which can be very effective in terms of learning and retention as well uh and i think finally one advantage would be that um, even if you are loyal or if you are a loyal listener to any podcast you don't really know what's going to come in the next episode so it's almost like you will be caught by surprise with the diversity and versatility that each podcast brings to the table unlike a book where of course you have chapters to it you know exactly what might be coming next because you've read a synopsis uh you've done your research so you know what you have signed up for but in a podcast maybe the next episode is completely different from the previous one so that element of surprise makes it a very interesting and exciting channel for content consumption as well that's true and that's rightly explained like uh, how it you know uh, shape our mind and how it helps us grow so true. you know we have uh, discussed about a lot of things marketing yeah. podcast mba so yeah. i have this very you know a very like curious question you can say you are a professional marketer you are a social right. media influencer and you are right. also a content creator yeah. right so how yeah. do you balance like all this thing and does each aspect help the other part Uh, that's a very interesting question and yeah. um yes i would say definitely you know uh, at the end of the day of course i'm a digital marketer uh, in the b2b saas space i'm a social media influencer i'm a content creator on youtube i make music but at the end of the day everything is online everything is digital so the foundation is the same um of course uh, each of these elements of my personal and professional personality so to speak it requires a similar blueprint you know so if i am doing work for my company i need to understand my target audience i need to tailor make my content accordingly i need to understand their customer pain points and then figure out a digital and mobile marketing strategy that's going to help them in my personal capacity as an influencer or a content creator the step wise process is pretty much the same right if i am doing influencer marketing on instagram i know exactly who my target audience is those are my followers 
and if i'm operating in the men's grooming or lifestyle space i know that this is the kind of content that's going to appeal to my target audience so i would tailor make my pictures or my captions or my stories and reels accordingly and on youtube again i have probably about 90000 odd subscribers so i know what my target audience is expecting so i tailor make my content accordingly figure out how to engage with them better uh figure out how to expand my audience and get new subscribers and followers basis understanding their psychology their expectations and uh, so yeah so there is definite uh, cross pollination that happens in terms of the learnings that i can get across each of these professional and personal digital marketing projects that i might undertake wow that that's really amazing and you know uh, in such a short span of time we have discussed a lot of thing and you highlighted each of each and every aspect in a very you know a uh, very different manner and it, it like uh, it uh, made me connected in the entire conversation um, now yeah. looking forward to the last question but a very important question which sure. is advice and recommendation for marketers who have just started or are just going to start in the next you know coming like coming year okay okay yeah. all right um all right so let's start by stating the obvious of course cliche but very very relevant and true i would say adopt an evergreen learner's mindset because honestly without upskilling without constantly keeping your eyes and ears open without learning along the way without understanding where the industry is headed where the demand shifts are coming from how consumer behavior is evolving you will never be in a position to actually do well in the industry so i would say keep your eyes and ears open constantly learn constantly adopt that learner's mindset and when i say learner's mindset it doesn't mean pick up the top 50 marketing books subscribe to the top 30 marketing blogs listen to the top 10 marketing podcasts of course that's going to give you a great foundation but beyond that you need to talk to industry peers you need to talk to experts who are actually implementing marketing strategies on ground and learning and evolving which means that you need to build a solid enough personal brand to have that clout and networkability to approach people who might be able to share those insights with you right so that evergreen learners mindset is really important uh number 2 i would say don't let the fear of failure actually cripple you it's easier said than done but we are human beings at the end of the day our first tendency is to be perfect but that's not how life pans out and neither does marketing actually pan out like that so when you are nascent in your career the desire or the temptation to not make mistakes is obviously much higher but don't let that fear actually cripple you because at the end of the day a lot of your failures will teach you more about marketing and life in general so don't allow that fear of failure to cripple you uh, of course you might get flack from your managers or your bosses from time to time but that's part of the game because failure and blunders and blemishes will actually give you a lot of real time and uh, evergreen learning uh, finally i would say uh, find yourself a good mentor because a mentor can actually be someone who can shape your career in the long term as well so whether it's someone 
at whether it's a marketing professor at your university or college whether it is your elder sibling who's already in the corporate world uh, whether it is an industry peer you have interacted with whether it's a guest speaker who's come to your institution uh, whether it's your manager in your new job identify who will be in a good position to add that value and guide you uh, in your initial phase of your nascent marketing career because trust me there is only so much that you can learn yourself you need to expand your horizons you need to think differently get different perspectives on not just marketing related aspects but generally in the corporate world as well and a good mentor if you align yourself with a good mentor and the mentor takes great interest in your personal growth i think that uh, becomes an uh, you know really important aspect of your future growth so i think that would be uh you know those would be the three things that i would recommend nascent marketers to look at when they're embarking on their journey oh wow that's amazing and i i'm extremely sure that you know all this recommended recommendation will help all those marketers who are starting I now hope so. i hope so i hope so yeah so well thank you so much pradeep thank you so much for joining us for and giving us your time it was it, amazing talking to you it's been a pleasure yeah thank you so much thanks tarun i hope that the audience benefits from whatever i have shared i in fact loved your questions and loved interacting with you thank you so much for having me once again on trivia talks likewise thank you so much well that's all from today's episode i hope you have liked it in case if you have any suggestion or feedback you can reach out to me at various social media handles i am adding the link in the description Until next time stay safe and stay tuned